Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. This is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Jay, you with us? Forty-four, are you with us, Mister Foreman? Earth to Jay Foreman. He's potted up. He's not muted. That's all right. We'll have him call back. Wait, heard something. Jay, you there? He's not there. I dropped the call. All right. It's Austin and Kenny with you on Old School. We'll make Jay uh, call back here. Uh, 402-464-5685, the Sarder Heyman hotline. That's Honda Lincoln hotline, Sarder Heyman text line. Let's see if this is Jay. Jay, hello. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Yeah. It's yours. Yeah, man. I apologize, man. That, that was a... Uh... That was a Laker free zone that I went in and I lost reception. That was Kenny Wilhite and uh, Eric Strickland with that Haterade vapors and messed up my cell phone service. That had nothing to do with us, brother. <laughs> that's that. That's that cricket hey, phone you got. I, yeah, I know, man. That's that I got to upgrade my minutes, man. But I wanted to ask you guys, uh, moving forward, what are you guys thinking? As far as the NFL free agency, do you think it's like at the point of, I wouldn't say the summer, but do you think it's dried up in the sense that you got mini camps coming up, mandatory rookie mini camps, mandatory mini camps for veterans? Uh, do you think it's going to be bargain shopping right now, or do you think it's going to be another kind of, it wouldn't be obviously a big wave, but there's always one big signing and then some uh, little, like, uh, I guess, smart shopping signings as well. I'd I'd like to see the Ravens get one more piece for Lamar, right? At at wide receiver, so he can so he can shoot for that six thousand that yard six thousand yard mark. But I'd like to see them get one more piece. I think the Chiefs, they 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 did well in the draft. They they're good. The Jets probably right. need to sure one more spot for for a a, a- Ron. But um, and then what's your boys gonna do down in Arizona? I don't know. I just saw that the uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think his cap number for next year or this year is, I think it's at thirty million or over thirty million. So Ooh. the fact that they weren't able to able to trade him actually now that the, the power and advantage moves to him because no team wants to have a, a salary cap number with anybody or of that magnitude at any position besides quarterback, right? And you, then you have a veteran player. Uh, that it's been coming off two or three down years. It's only really had one year uh, down in Arizona that was is worthwhile. And so now you have you're stuck with a salary and a cap number. So the only way to get it down is to renegotiate. Now he might not be there past the following season, but they need cap relief. And so I think one of the things that's going to be interesting to see is what they do. Do they? try to renegotiate or they try to trade them or they just cut bait because they don't want them 
uh, to be on the team. I, I, I think if he could be healthy, I think he could be pretty good. But I think what's really hurt them is the, the progress or the improvement of Kyler Murray hasn't been there. But they have, you know, they got Earth to tight end. They got Connor, the running back. They got a pretty, they've actually drafted pretty decently on the offensive line. Um, they've done really well in the secondary, you know, as far as receivers and their defensive draft picks. All have been pretty good. Uh, they just haven't been able to gel, um, and so it really starts starts and stops with the, the quarterback. And I think you're going to see a move based on having a new coach, right? So the new coaches generally in the NFL always try to come in and flex their muscle, and it usually has to deal with uh, you know a veteran player player even getting traded or released, and Somebody that has is or that is coming off two down years, one by injury, another one half six games by suspension um, for steroids. There's no better choice. Plus, he has a um, you know thirty thirty to forty million dollar uh, cap number, so he's a he's an easy target. But also, it kind of lets this new coach flex his muscle a little bit. There's so many good free agents out there. I mean, Kenny, to your point, the the Ravens probably needing another receiver. That market I'm not sold on. Jarvis Landry is still out there. He's probably got a little left in the tank, but I don't know how much. Right. You move on from Jarvis Landry down to Kenny Galladay, who I think is still potential but hasn't ever had a huge season. And then you're looking at Julio Jones. Maybe there's not a whole lot of inspiring options out there. The position that I'm looking at is the edge rush position. Leonard Floyd is unsigned. Jadavian Clowney has had some good some good years. Frank Clark is out there. And my boy from Indy, Yannick Ngakwe, hasn't signed with anyone yet. So I think there's still some good edge rushers out there for teams that need some help there. I just don't know who takes a shot on those guys because they're – well, Yannick is under 30, but the rest of them are 30-plus. Yeah, you know, I like that point, Austin. I think that, you know – Did we lose you, Jay? I think we lost him. I think he's gone again. I think he's gone again. (laughs) Driving from here to Kansas City, there's some dead spots that you would drop a call in a a heartbeat. Okay, he's gone. We'll have him call back. Um, Yeah, there's still so many free agents. So this is according to NFL trade rumors, Kenny. Their top three free agents are Floyd, Clowney, and Clark, like I just mentioned. Uh, Isaiah Wynn, the offensive tackle from the Patriots, is mm-hmm. out there. Um, and then there's a lot of uh, defensive backs. You look at Shaquille Griffin. Uh, Marcus Peters is unsigned. Uh, going down the list a little bit more, uh, John Johnson, who played with the Rams, traded to the Browns then. And Zeke Elliott, unsigned. I'm, I'm surprised that Zeke hasn't signed with anyone. Um, that's, that's a very, very huge surprise to me. Not just saying it because he's from St. Louis, but – the two appealing ones are, in that you the names that you said were, Clowney, and Peters. Now Peters is up in age, um, but I think he's a guy that could, you can put on the field, and he can possibly lock down one side of the field. Still, mm-hmm. yep. Clowney is has a talent that, even though his age, he can still give you, ten eleven sacks in a season. Mm-hmm. So I'm just surprised that those two are still out there. He can't be the guy, but he can be a a guy. guy. No, he's mm-hmm. he can't be the guy. He's mm-hmm. those years are, are, are past him. Mm-hmm. But a guy, ten, eleven sacks, he can give you that. Jay, where does Ezekiel Elliott sign? 
I think he's waiting for the perfect deal or he goes back to Dallas. I know Pollard, you know, is their guy now, but Pollard doesn't play it like Ezekiel. Ezekiel is pretty good. He has a unique ability, kind of like Marcus Allen, to get in the end zone, and he's still powerful. Really good in pass protection. He can catch out of the backfield. He just doesn't have the explosiveness that he had coming into the league. So um, I think, you know, so he can yeah. – I also like him in Buffalo. Do you uh, your bills. Your really? bills. Yeah, because uh, one, you know, when it gets cold, he can run behind his pads, and uh, Cook isn't a you know a pounder. Where, but he get he's like a you know obviously younger brother Dalvin Cook, and yeah, they they signed um, uh, Murray, but the thing is Murray Murray. On, you know, even though he had a good year last year, isn't Ezekiel Elliott. So I think you can get that veteran, and you can never have enough veteran leadership to be, be able to tote the pill. And it takes a lot of pressure off of Josh Allen, right? Latavius Murray is a handoff, pound you. Ezekiel Elliott can do, you know, obviously he can pound you, but then help you in the, in the pass protection and in the screen game. And I think he'd do well in Buffalo, considering that the passing attack is there. And with Josh Allen, who plays a little bit like Dak did, when he was younger in his career. Buffalo. Hmm. Jay, where where do the Bills I, – I, I still give the Bills the edge in the in the AFC East, even with Rodgers going there. Are you more scared of the Patriots or the Jets next season? Uh, well, the Buffalo ain't scared either, man. So that's a different budget. Well, sure. I'd say worried about – I think uh, – on the surface, I would say the Jets because they have some weapons and they have a legitimate quarterback and they have uh, one of the best defenses in the league. You know, they're top three. So, the, you know, that that's a consistent and a steady defense and they can rush the passer. They can do anything you want. They can blitz. They can cover one-on-one. They, they are one of the best teams defensively in the NFL. Uh, then you have Aaron Rodgers that's going to be able to take them to a whole nother level just by his presence. So, but the biggest thing is that will they gel and how fast do they gel? I think the one thing that Buffalo needs to do is try to find a couple of veterans to sign at the second level. And also, don't be afraid to go and get more pass rush because you got to think when, you know, the Dolphins were up there and it was a snow game, the Dolphins, uh, you know, threw the ball pretty effectively. We got to get to the quarterback. They don't have that one guy. Uh, Von you know, Miller? Expect Von Miller to come back. They don't have that one guy that's going to be able to get you, you know, another eight, nine sacks opposite of Von Miller. Clowney. Yeah, Clowney. I mean, any of them. I mean, uh, uh, Yannick and, and Dequay from Indianapolis, who's under 30, you know, mm-hmm. give him a two-year contract and let him learn from Von. And then when Von decides to move on, or if he doesn't, you got a two-headed monster right there. You got the young guy, and then you got the older guy. So you got to. You know, don't just go for the one-year stopgap band-aid. Get somebody that can actually get you a year or two uh, because those veterans out there the rushing the passer um, are, are, are few and far between, and, it's hard, and they're hard to come by. What's the age where a pass rusher falls off? Is it different for power guys versus speed guys, or is there just a point where those guys are just out of gas? Uh, I don't think it ever. It's just a matter of when the NFL decides they don't want to pay him. I mean, you got to mm. think the, the guys, okay, here's an example. Bruce Smith right now could probably roll out and get you six to eight sacks. Bruce Smith at 40 years old 
get you double digit sacks. They know how to rush the passer. They they are very good on technique. Now what they can't do is play the sixty or seventy plays. But they can you keep them between twenty uh to thirty, thirty five plays, they'll be very effective. So, you know, the guys that had it before, you know, a lot of the sacks depends on opportunity. They can still rush the passer, but if you're playing on a team that can't, you know, score the ball, you're not gonna be in certain longs and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you're not getting sacks. And so everybody's judging pass rushers off the sacks. And so another example you took is the Cardinals, right? J.J. Watt, his last year in Houston, was just okay. His first year in, in Arizona, injury, you know, injury plague, but didn't look the same. Last year, played almost like a pro bowler, and he decides to hang him up. So he still can rush the passer, you know, and it's, a, it's just a matter of how well they take care of themselves and then also who's around them. If you're bringing in the older guy and expecting him to be, you know, the one-man gang, that's not the way to do it. But if you bring him in, that there's two or three other guys that could potentially, you know, rush the passer, you can really, really get somebody that can pay dividends. Is that what – I mean, I mean, that's what the Bills wanted with Von Miller was that one guy. Is it easier to game yeah. plan for one guy, even if it is someone at like, you know, Von Miller's talent level or Aaron Donald's talent level in the interior? Or is it harder to game plan when you have, you know, one guy on each edge or one guy up the middle? Well, it's hard to, if you have a guy on the edge in the middle um, or you have two guys on the edges. But one one thing about Vaughn, up until he got hurt, he was the guy. But what he did was he created opportunities for everybody else. And that's where you saw Greg Russo, Ed Oliver take off. And then once he got hurt, I think the Buffalo Bills went from when Vaughn was playing, I think he they were one of the lowest percentage of blitz teams to get sacks or pressure on the quarterback. Once he got hurt, it really flipped. They had to go up to 60 or 70 percent to, you know, and so then that exposed your defense from a run game standpoint and then obviously a passing game standpoint, along with, you know, both of the safeties being hurt and White, their cornerback that was a Pro Bowl the year before, uh, coming back slowly off of ACL. So it didn't, it was just kind of bad circumstances uh, with Vaughn Miller. But if you could bring in another guy with, to go opposite, along with Greg Russo, who had, I think, eight sacks and actually played pretty good last year and get some more out of uh, Ed Oliver, I think you're making up for the loss of, Ed- of Edwards in, or, in the, or Edmonds in the middle, which I didn't I didn't think he played particularly well last year. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Milano in the middle and then maybe have a younger guy kind of play in his, like uh, in, the, in the 4-2-5 defense, kind of like the hide-and-seek guy, playmaker. So then, therefore, you can either trade for a guy, right? We could trade for your guy, Darius Leonard, and bring him out to Buffalo, or we could... Ah. Uh, get another free agent <laughs> out there to, to move in there because uh, you know that's the playmaking position. But I think if you can add a veteran guy, you, you definitely can uh, lessen the impact of losing uh, Tremaine Edmonds. For both of you, I know you played at similar times, but not the exact same. Kenny, how often were your teams blitzing in Nebraska? Whew. We were in cover one, eleven robbery <laughs> every down, right, Jay? <laughs> yeah. Much. We, we were man coverage every down, but we didn't have to blitz with the two guy. Well, four guys, four headed monsters. We had coming off the edge, and then the two in the middle. We didn't have to blitz because they were getting pressure without blitzing. Now, when we did blitz, or when teams gave us empty, it was all our man. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, the guys we had at that time, they were getting pressure on the quarterback without us blitzing what about for you jay were you blitzing yeah. more or less about the same 
No, we weren't blessed with Holly at all, but, you know, we had, you know, Grant and Jared Thomas, Mike Rucker, um, Jason Peter in the middle. You know, my, when I was a freshman, they had Dante Jones and Dwayne Harris. Um, it was Grant Wilson being the backup, Terry Keneally in the middle, Christian Peter. So we had, you know, willing and able pass rushers that were getting to the quarterback, and if we weren't sacking them, we were hitting them and hurting them. Um, but what we did was is we picked up some zone blitzes that, from the pro level, and so we, we kind of – you know, played with it a little bit, and that allowed, you know, the Terrell Farleys, Jamel Williams, the Octavius McFarlands, the area, the, you know, the Jay Foreman, Tony Ortiz, you know, Brian Shaws, and those guys able to, you know, blitz and come from different angles. And that's where, when you look at maybe Tony White's 335 with a little bit smaller outside linebacker and that kind of hybrid position, you're able to do some things like that. So what we did was we had good athletes that were, defensive tackles and defensive ends and were, you know, hungry enough to learn different schemes to, you know, drop in coverage and we and, and do all that stuff to allow the other guys to blitz. And then on the flip side, it freed them up when they got chances to, you know, go one-on-one with the offensive linemen and the tackles because they not only couldn't just sit back and, and wait for us to pass rush, you had to wait for zone blitzes. And, you know, you had a big play in the um, Fiesta Bowl, even though it was empty. We were supposed to, you know, not be blitzing, but Jamel Williams blitz, you know, had a safety. So it's one of those things that, you know, you can you confuse the offense and they didn't know who to block, and you go in there and you make a game-changing play. And it goes down to history in, in the Nebraska's, uh, you know, history books, you know, one of the best teams ever, you know, to play college football. So um, we didn't blitz like you're thinking. Um, we added some stuff, but it was all based on where the game was going. That was right around the time of his own blitz with the Steelers and then the mm-hmm. Carolina Panthers the year that they had that run to the NFC championship on the Tom Tapers. So we, ad- we adapted that or adopted that. But, you know, I'm going to tell you this, uh, you know, as far as how it really, really helped it, what it did was, so when I was able to go to the NFL and that stuff was even, you know, just starting there, I had already ran those type of concepts and those plays 10 times over. You know what I mean? And so I thought, I felt like it gave me a leg up on players coming in, you know, that at my position, which was linebacker, over over them because I had done it in, in college. And, and it was due to, you know, Charles McBride and, uh, you know, Coach D. Darlington and Tony Samuel, uh, Coach Sam, going out there and, uh, you know, trying to gain an edge. And that's what you do. This might be the wrong question to ask. Tell me if it is. The three three five that Nebraska is going to run is that a scheme that needs athletes, or is that a scheme that you can get away with being a little less athletic because of the different looks you can throw out? Dude, I don't know, Kenny. Kenny, I would probably say you need athletes. You, you, know, you got to be able to run. You got to be. You have to be able to run. You're going to need yeah. athletes because if you don't have that animal lining up over the center, you got to be able to run. Because that he can eat yeah. up two, he can eat up two guys. Mm-hmm. If if he can't eat up two guys, then you have to be able to run. You got to have some speed. Yeah. And like Jay said, you get the best athletes on the field and let them play football. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting what they do. I think um, you know Ty and Nash and Judy starting. You know, really, essentially, it's a three-three-five. But let's be honest, it's a three—it's a three-four with just mainly one yep. outside backer and one guy that's kind of like a, you know, too big, too small to be an outside linebacker, but too big mm-hmm. to be a safety. Kind of like a, 
you know, joker and kind of guy that's your, your cleanup man. So, you know, Austin, right up in your wheel, you know, your wheelhouse. Might have not have been Bob Sanders, but a Bob Sanders type, you know, a guy gotcha. that can erase a lot of mistakes. And so, when you heard Tony White said that he had a lot of players, um, you know, maybe they're not, not going A to B the right way, but they're ended up at C, which is making the play. That's what the three three five does. So it allows athletes to be athletes and good football players to be good football players. And so you get you you want your best athletes on the field, but you also want them to be able to be disciplined and know the game of football when they have to anchor down and shock and release and shed pads. And so that's where the linebacker coach and the defensive line coach have to be excellent in what they're teaching because the the best way to play any type of defense is have your best athletes on the field, but then they also play, you know, in a team concept, right? So they they work together. They understand if, if Kenny's going to make a gamble or Jay's going to make a gamble or I'm playing a play this way that, you know, we cover each other's backs because ultimately – uh, everybody's goal should be to stop the, you know, the offense and scoring. It's Kenny and Jay dropping football knowledge here uh, on Old School. We're going to step aside here for the first break of the hour. Uh, more with the two former Huskers after this. Watch Old School live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and Jay on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. <laughs> 